The Comedy Store would like you to know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are strictly those of the speakers or authors and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions held by the Comedy Store and its affiliates. It's a padded bra with wires to make me look like a girl, so I go. I like this uh, Inquisition setup you guys got. The Inquisition. Yeah, we we try and make it as unnatural as possible. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't a burr that was like, you know, I feel like <clears throat> being fucking interrogated because the light was like switching. It was real, the beginning it was of us doing hard, this. Yeah. It was like blinking and shit. And he was just like, what the fuck is this? How often do you guys put these out? Every week. Okay. Once a week, yeah. Yeah, we try, we try at least <clears throat> once a week, but pandemic fucked everybody up. Oh, yeah. There we go. Now it's on. Now you can see my highlighter. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Does my rage come off better? <laughs> you can actually see it oh. on your skin. It's so good. Wow. 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 We'll see about that. Wow. <laughs> Mitzi said, get Tom on the podcast. She likes him. Well, I was bathing Mitzi yesterday. Wow. She started telling me about Greg Eagles. <laughs> Did Greg Eagles work with well. him? <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Put him on Tuesday. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I don't. He was just a headshot. That he was a comic. When I worked the back door, he was in the top corner, right next to the hallway. So for years, I was just like, Ugh. actually, well, I think that story you told was it on Marin. You said there was somebody you, you were, you know, looking in on Mitzi and stuff, and the guy was saying, "Yeah, she said to put me on," and you were like, "No, I talk to her every day. She does, she doesn't." <laughs> yeah, it. It's <laughs> not happening. <laughs> It's, oh, so many people would do that, though. It was constant. No, she never said that. She barely talks. <laughs> she's Are we basically on? a lunatic. Yeah, she stopped talking, but she mentioned you. Yeah. That's what the fuck. That's who she, she came back came out yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to give you Wednesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> she said, definitely put this open micer on. Did you ever meet Mitzi? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, we'll yeah. get into it. So this is the Comedy Store podcast. Very exciting. Yeah. I'm Eleanor Carrier. Hey, hey! I'm Rick Ingram, <laughs> Mr. Happiness. <laughs> I'm Laugh Girl, if you didn't know. He does morning radio guy. I'm yeah. Laugh Girl. <laughs> this is Ricky Dare over here at 107, 107.3. Ricky Dare. <laughs> just shit on KC. All, yeah. <laughs> All of my mockery is just of the one guy in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Johnny Darren Murphy in the morning. Does he have a laugh girl? He did. He when when I lived there, there was a, a guy. It was Johnny Darren Murphy, and Murphy was just like the laugh, some hag basically. <laughs> He'd be like, "Yeah, Murph, were you down there at the uh, the, the Skid Row concert last night? I bet you were." <laughs> like, all right. Well, Ricky, there we have. The Mr. Tom Rhodes with us today. The Very Rhodes. exciting. Yeah, one of the reasons I'm happy to be off the road is not to have to do morning radio shows. It's the it's worst. The worst right? It's the worst. It's one of the worst things about being a comedian. Yeah. You gotta wake up at six or five thirty and be on there like seven. And be and, up and be like match their nonsense like play he their does. games yeah. or whatever they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> My, <laughs> stick around. We're gonna have some funny prank <laughs> phone calls in a little bit. You're like, I'm not sticking around for that. It's, it's terrible. My favorite Rick uh Road radio show is with Pauly Shore. I did a lot of radio with Pauly. He used to make me go with him. And half the time they just made me sit to the side. I didn't even get a microphone. <laughs> I'm just like, why the fuck am I here? <laughs> but then when he would have me do it, he would, I would always do it as Argus. And so they would always try and set Pauly up. Like that was the ongoing gag. It was like, oh, we're going to do trivia with Pauly Shore. 
you know in their mind they were like we're gonna make him look so dumb and paul was just like yeah argus is gonna do it <laughs> and then i would just go on about okay go ahead ask your little questions <laughs> and they'd ask me oh well, that is uh, generalissimo francisco franco and they'd be like how does he know, how, it? How do you know that and then Polly would look at me like how the fuck did you know that <laughs> Oh, out of all the imprisoned Chilean dictators, he's always been my favorite. <laughs> but how great is that? That's so mean that they would try to fuck with somebody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, Paulie's not a scholar. I just think, <laughs> yeah, they just thought it would That's be kind funny. Of a like, hey, the celebrity's not going to know these answers. But instead, what they got was like, this random 24 year old <laughs> that nobody on earth knows is pretending everything. to be someone else that nobody else knows, <laughs> ruining lives. Where's your worst morning radio? On the road. Oh, I, they, you know, as we're talking, they're all flashing through. I mean, like, you know, you also have to do those um, noonday TV shows. Oh, yeah. I remember I did one Vegas. in San Francisco, and they sent me to, it was a fencing school. They were no. they were doing a remote from a fencing school, <laughs> and they had me do it. And I had the mask on, and, you know, it was, I was incredibly hungover. I was partying back in those days, um, but... Why did I have to be there? They could have said anybody, hey, that's Tom Rhodes. He's at the punchline because yeah. I had a mask on and you couldn't see what I was like. <laughs> what do you mean? Like oh, yeah. literally a mask, not a, the, ma- the, a COVID the, mask? The, the fencing. Yeah, the fencing oh, mask. Oh, yeah. fuck. Okay. It was a, it was a fencing fighting. studio. <laughs> My, I, yeah. I thought They thought that... it would be clever. Oh, yeah, I'm a comedian. It'll be great. Wow. When you said remote and fencing, I just assumed they were using <clears> there and it was during COVID. Oh, yeah. No, no, so, no. Uh, this, could, this... And then you said mask and I was like, oh, that's, you yeah. were drinking a year ago? <laughs> like No, no, no. But there, no. yeah, no, I'm, you've been I'm, I'm sober eight years a while. off the juice. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. I was like, wait, I know it was a long yeah. time you're off the juice, so I don't call it the juice. I call it the good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Although she's never drunk, so you're, it's no, you're not enough. wrong. <laughs> not wrong. I drink Jameson when I drink. I like to drink I just can't I have no tolerance. So if I have like one shot, I'm like, okay. And then if I if I go to that two and three it could get weird. I'll either fight everybody in the room or fuck everybody in the Prove room. Prove it. <laughs> it is. Uh, I still love three Jamesons, I, please. I st- <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm just like this, punching. Uh, I still love drinking. I just needed to take a break. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was pretty balls out party guy for years. Okay. And uh, and you know the uh, the incident that made me stop drinking happened in Philadelphia. Oh, that'll happen. Um. Philadelphia gets everybody. <laughs> Eight years ago, January, um, New Year's Eve was on a Wednesday, I believe. There you go. So I was at Helium Comedy Club, and then the the I had uh, January 1st off. Okay. And then the contract had me stay for the Friday, Saturday. So I had a great New Year's Eve, and then I, you know, I, I got January 1st off. And I actually... Um, you know, I hadn't. I didn't. I only drank at night, but I. I was on Sansom Street. Sure. Uh, Where helium is. Real drinking man's bar. Little. Uh, oh, the little Irish pub right there. There's the, like there's like a there's a there's, there's a couple little old yeah. school working man bars, mm-hmm. and um, I had ten pints of Sierra Nevada. <laughs> okay. Which was a normal evening for me. Wow. And um, wow, that's heavy beer too. I mean, I don't. Yeah. <clears throat> it's good, but I don't think I would be able to drink ten. I would be so full. Pints. That's impressive. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I just kind of blacked out and fell off the stool like a tree and busted my head open on a tile floor. Whoa! And some guy lifts me up and he yells out to the bar, "We got to call in!" I, lo- I, I I had my contacts in, but I thought I had my glasses. So my first instinct, my head hit the ground. I'm wide awake, and I actually thought my glasses. 
Okay. So I'm looking around for my glasses, and there's blood everywhere, and it's uh, <laughs> it's all coming out of me. <clears throat> Some guy lifts me up, and he yells, "We got to call an ambulance." I'm so glad and they I, helped you. And I go, you. "Fuck that! I don't have health insurance. Don't, <laughs> oh, you, don't you dare shit. call an ambulance." The ultimate American. And he, he <laughs> like, goes, "We live in a country he goes, that's so he, fucked." He goes, "You got to get to a hospital." And I go, "How far is the nearest hospital?" He goes, two blocks. Thomas oh, yeah. Jefferson." Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I go. You were gonna call an ambulance. It's two blocks two away. Yeah. <laughs> so I got far. a wad of napkins and I walked to the um, Thomas Jefferson to the yeah. hospital. And did they take care? It was like I think it was like eight grand <laughs> for or six eight six thousand for eight stitches. It's ridiculous. Yeah, wow. it's an incredibly corrupt and ridiculous system. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And they, the ambulance would have added what another seven on that? Probably, house, possibly. Yeah, yeah, fifteen, I think. Oof. Yeah, the the few times in my life that there was ambulances involved, the last one was I my blood sugar dropped too low, and they came, and uh, I was, like, blacked out, and they, the guy just goes, I'm not going to take you anywhere because I don't want you to have to pay 10 grand for a ride because your blood sugar is low. Just drink some juice. And I was like, oh. Well, thank you, but at sir. Least, yeah, Very uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what, what did this guy have going on that he was like, I'm not, I'm not going to make the 10 grand tonight. I don't want to deal with this guy. I was just standing there, unaware. My wife's like freaking out. Oh my god! It was it was good times. <laughs> but yeah, every time I'm like, how do we live in a place where the emergency vehicle to take you to save your life? People are constantly just like, no, I can't afford that. Yeah, that was wow. my first thought. Yeah, you know? like I had and a you're uh, walking, just... like you get a, a root canal in the states. It's like two grand. Uh, about ten, fifteen years ago, I had 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 to have an emergency root canal in London. And it costs seventy five dollars. Nice. <gasps> yeah, an emergency. Yeah, seventy five bucks. Wow. Yeah. Now, when you that was New Year's Day that happened. Where you no, it was it was January first. New Year's Day. Yeah, New Year's Day. Yeah. So yeah, they were probably like, "Oh, this is another fucking idiot from the Mama's Parade that just got beat up for making fun of somebody." Do you know on the yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 a lot of blood there, though. Yeah. I've got to be honest. Yeah. I've seen a lot of blood. Yeah, and I've seen it. I've, uh, I've done New Year's Eve in Philly a few times, and like people are hammered at yeah, uh, 10 in the like, morning. Where's your dress? But my, mine, mine <laughs> happened at night. You know, mine was. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Oh, that's. You know, damn. probably like midnight. I've never seen a good parade. These are, um, they're pretty creative, uh, the Mummers parade. Like, I hated it when I was a kid what, because. What the fuck is a Mummer? They dress up in these big feathers and it was always like guys. Some old, old guys club Guys thing. in dresses. It oh. was, they never had women. And now they have women and my, everybody's like, they fucking ruined it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is supposed to be a bunch of men dressed up like lady boys. What's going on here? But Hasn't anyone ever heard of tradition? The comics always came down first. Those were the first. And they, they were just silly and, you know, would mess with the crowd. But they were wasted by the time the mummers came down. So, uh, but when I was a kid, I'd go to see the mummers in the cool dresses. And they do all kind of fun themes. And I, I'd be watching, but all the comics would be like, hey, give me a kiss. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> they'd have makeup and blood you're and what 12 <clears throat> yeah but they thought Stay i was my older classic sister comic. <laughs> classic you know, you know what i like in philadelphia and it's a similar name i always get the two confused the medical museum there the mum it's the there's a medical a, a museum medical. of medical oddities what in philadelphia the please touch it's me? Like and it's like the show. mummers museum or something it, it, um wait we have it's a, a name close to that 
Cause we have it, a the, Please Touch Museum where there's all kinds of weird. You know, you don't know this museum. I it's don't think it's so. like been there for all these years. I've been going. This was it was steps. started I as like a serious medical study. They have the colon of a guy who didn't take a shit for ten years. Oh there. my god! And there's a photo of him, and it's like he looks like what you think a guy would look like who hadn't wow. taken a shit. He's got in a thick years. neck. He's just, <laughs> you're like, wait, what? He's filling wow. up right now. Wait, I gotta find this thing because I can't believe you don't know what it is. It's inc- it's an incredible museum. We there's only knew a- the art museum was there because Rocky ran up the steps. I mean, I'm from yeah. South Philly. I'm not, we didn't live in Center City. That's all that stuff is like it's Center an, City. It's one of the greatest the art, art museums in, uh, oh, yeah. in the world. Yeah. Eleanor wasn't allowed in those kinds of places. That's, uh, She's got Irish blood. <laughs> Ricky doesn't like um, Rocky, but when he runs up those steps, he goes, all these years, I'm running up the steps. I never knew there was good pictures in here. Unbelievable. How yeah. cute is that? It's kind of cute. It's one of the greatest art museums it, it really in, is. in the world. It is. It's beautiful. I'm an yeah. art freak. That's such oh, a okay. good museum. Uh, but everybody runs up those steps every day to emulate Rocky in that moment of uh, Rocky 1. Yeah, that's one. tourist shit. I... In Rocky 3, he drives his motorcycle up and throws his helmet at this Rocky statue. How come no one ever does that? I'd like to see that. I'm sure they have. <laughs> i got to be honest. I'm sure they have. I'm suddenly on board. I'm going with... to guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially right now. I just got on board with something Rocky related. I want to see more tourists <laughs> driving motorcycles upstairs. Uh, the, the, by the way, that's not tourists that'll do that. We got to watch the one Locals. where he fights the Russian guy again. That's, that's, the, yeah. only yeah. that's, that's the only good one. That's the only good one. I've been it for years. <laughs> Rocky that speech four. he gives in, I think it's Rocky uh, Four. If I, yeah. uh, if, if hey, I can on, change, man. then uh, Are you, you trying to get me wet? Everybody can change. Stop hitting on and me, then Rick. It's just a bunch of <laughs> disgusting Soviet trash <laughs> cheering on. On this Italian American pile of garbage. Oh, how dare you? This is all sacrilege. Sacrilege. Anywho, I'm just glad. Honestly, I'm so happy that Russia is back in their villain role as the bad guys. It's oh so God. good, so totally. nostalgic. Like totally. it feels so good to just be like, we can hate Russia again. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Got this a bunch is... of Russians at my kids' school. They're the worst. I get oh a bunch of Russians God. live in my building, and they're. Uh, oh yeah, our neighborhood's pretty bad. We uh, live close to each yeah, other. Uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of oligarch attitudes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, the, I, when I lived Just in West Hollywood. Just playing chess on the corner in a fila suit. You're like, what are you doing? In a fila suit. <laughs> they're the worst. They are the worst human beings. And they're all white, so you can say whatever you want about them. Yeah. No one's mad. <laughs> oh, they're terrible. My my landlord, when I lived in West Hollywood, was a Russian pile of shit. And that fucking guy. He's just always just lies. That's all they do is just lie. Rick, this is mean. This, well, is, this is racist. I was doing a line um, after 2014. Uh, there's, I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary, um, Winter on Fire. It's all about no. Ukraine and what Russia did in 2014. Unbelievable. Oh, it, wow. it's, it's a Netflix documentary. Yeah. I think it should be mandatory viewing. Okay. What the Ukrainians already have been through with these with yeah. the Russian people. Yeah. So I was doing this line, because I always ask uh, if there's anyone from a different country, because I've got usually a story or joke right. about, You've traveled about everywhere. everywhere. We're going to get into um, that. So for a few years, if I had a Russian person, I'd go, are you Russian? Are you sitting there? Is that your chair? Or was a Ukrainian person sitting there (laughs) and you're now occupying that space? And it was funny for a couple of years. And then like, I don't know, around 2017, 2018, then people would get all touchy and whoa, they didn't understand it. Well, now Um, you can bring it back. Yeah, I don't think I'll bring it back. But (laughs) now's the time. uh, If there was ever a time. It spoke volumes. You're looking for an ovation. (laughs) Um, wait, so when did you start doing stand-up? How long? Uh, I started uh, when I was 17. Wow. February 4th, 1984. Okay. In Orlando, Florida. 
my father was a huge, my dad loved stand-up comedy. Okay. And Pryor was his god. Right. So I remember in Washington, D.C., where my family's from, uh, my driving around with my dad, we didn't have seatbelts in cars then. I remember being like a little kid standing next to my dad with my arm on him while he's driving. Oh, yeah. Listening to Pryor tapes. And feeling his shoulders shake while he laughed and drove. And I didn't understand the adult themes, but like when Pryor animated animals and things like that, I just, I was on the floor. I thought it was genius. So, uh, and my dad also loved Bob Newhart. So we had tons of Pryor and Newhart uh, records that I grew up with. My uncle did open mic night comedy in Washington, D.C. for one year in 1978. I was 11 years old. A place called L. Brookman's. My father took me to see him, and the stage was next to the door. It was a shotgun shack, thin, long room. And the comedian, the show was in progress, and the comedian on stage grabbed me, pulled me on stage. I had a Washington Redskins jacket on. Okay. And he interviewed me like I was the coach of the Redskins. Wow. And I was 11, and I just gave bashful, dopey, little kid one-word answers, no and yes. But I'll (laughs) never forget standing on that stage. And seeing all those happy people with their heads thrown back in laughter and all the teeth in their mouth. Wow. And, uh, and that moment changed my life forever. Uh, from that moment on, I never wanted to do anything else. And uh, I know I've romanticized the, the memory, uh, but because it, it's D.C., it, I just remember black people and Latin people and Asians. Like, and, and to me, when you did stand-up comedy, More diverse you were crowd. speaking to the world. Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> I became like a student of s- comedy after that. Uh, watched and it, with my dad a lot. The, we watched, you know, all the HBO specials and we'd talk about them. And, um, you know, I would circle the TV guide when, you know, Carson and Letterman, whoever, that whenever Were those a, your people, like who you I looked up Carson. to? Carson. Yeah, and I loved Carson. And then Letterman, when I was in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, came on. And I mean, that was, you know. Fucking edgy, edgy love. rock and he roll. He was here. He was here <clears throat> Monday night. Was he really? Yeah, and they were Letterman like, was? "Yeah, they go Letterman watch your set." I'm like, "He did," but he was watching Marin, who was on before me. Uh, it was Tammy Joe uh, Deering's show. Mm. <laughs> no, he, he had you know he, no, he had just, he had edgy alternative <laughs> comedians on you know emo. Yeah, and... yeah. He 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 definitely <clears throat> did more. Letterman did more for comics. You know what I mean? Like he would put a well, lot he of did, it was on. a different style I feel of like comedy Leno didn't too. Do as much. Not Leno. I'm talking about Carson. Oh, Carson. Carson had, oh, I Carson loved, did everything. Loved the, the, yeah. I'm saying Letterman and Leno, <clears throat> it went down a little bit, but Letterman did more, I think, yeah. for comics than Leno. Yeah, and, there was, and there was a more edgy style of comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was or, a different vibe. So a Letterman audience would definitely like edgier comedy more yeah. than Jay Leno's fucking I would, I would, I was bread in high and butter school. comedy. I used to write letters to Letterman hoping That's they would get so read on funny. viewer mail. You know? <laughs> Did it ever? No, never read one. I feel like I <clears throat> heard somebody tell a story where their letter got read. Oh. And I was like, wow. This is some bullshit. I, I, it was, I would, we're going to uh, find out who it is and we're going to ruin their life. I want to say it might have been like Ted Alexander or something, one of the New York guys. Because I, I just remember seeing a little clip and I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. Who's <laughs> like, Ted Alexander? Oh, yeah, Alexander. Uh, he's very he's funny. Terrific. In New York. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he cool. opens for Jim Gaffigan a lot. He's mm-hmm. he's clean, very funny. Yes. Hilar- mm-hmm. Wonderful. Smart, wonderful. Yes, guy. very smart. <clears throat> um, Not so, into it. You better calm down. You'd like him a lot. So when I was 12, <laughs> my family moved to Orlando, Florida, and. Um, uh, I went to see um, 
I saw Jay Leno okay. at this jazz club. I snuck in. I saw I was a huge Rod- Rodney Dangerfield was oh. my god from Rodney's great. Uh, yeah. like the the way you know other guys young guys were into bands and shit. Uh, Rodney was my absolute <laughs> god. That's amazing. And I knew um, every Rodney Dangerfield joke from like fourteen to sixteen. And uh, and I got to see Rodney uh, once. Uh, he was hammered, and uh, the, the the show was was horrible. Um, <laughs> but it didn't matter because I was in the same room with the guy. Yeah, exactly. And, well, I, and I was so such was a, I was like fifteen years old. Oh wait, it wasn't later in life. So fifteen, he so, was. So I was fifteen, and I went with this buddy of mine from high school, John Forster, because I didn't have a car, and he was also a Dangerfield fan. Okay. So it was at the Tupperware Theater in Orlando, and the and the show kind of sucked. But we like you know we knew every joke and it didn't matter. We went in the same room with Rodney, and the uh, the show ends, and there was no security back then. And we wanted to meet Rodney, so it was on the stage, like a high school stage with the steps on the side. We snuck up the side, we snuck behind the curtains, and it's all dark. We're heading towards the one light in the back, and we get to the dressing room. Rodney Dangerfield is. He's sitting in his underwear and his boxers. He had taken off his pants and put them over the chair. And he's sitting in front of a... He was already hammered on stage. He's sitting in front of a, a Miller Lite. Rodney, you're the greatest, man. You're the greatest, Rodney. Rodney, will you sign this, man? And the paper that he signed wasn't even worth saving. He just, like, waved a line of a pen over it. So and then um, his road manager, I'm guessing, comes up. Hey, what are you kids doing here? We just love Rodney, man. He goes, all right, look, you wait out here. He's going to come out here in about 30 minutes out the steel stage right. door. And we're waiting outside. There's a, a Lincoln town car waiting for him. And like 30 minutes later, the door opens. And uh, it's three cement steps from the door to the waiting Lincoln town car. And Rodney uh, is so hammered. He goes, hey, you, kids, you guys give me a hand. And he put one arm around me and one arm around John Forrester. And I'll never forget carrying this old man's torso. <laughs> oh and we gently God. laid him in the back seat as if he were the Christ child. I believe and it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, and then, the, you know, and then he drove away. And I thought, you know, like, I would love to, like, could you imagine being like an old guy that, like, 15 year old kids wow. just, I mean, the guy could do no wrong. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I didn't care that he was drunk. Yeah. It's Rodney, man. He was like, these kids are going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> Best oh, night of ball. their life. But, yeah. You're like, <laughs> He's yeah, that's terrific. That's amazing. So how did when you started stand up? How long before you moved? Did you move to L.A. first or you stayed, mm. you started in Orlando? Hit the road. Yeah, well, uh, so I, I've got my first comedy store story. Okay. So I started in Orlando when I was seventeen, and when I was nine, so I'm, I was in eleventh grade when right. I started, and then my senior year I was starting to do little one nighters around Florida and shit, you know. Uh, There's a lot of, but I was playing the club in Orlando like every weekend from like you know junior and senior year in high school. Was that an improv or something? No, it was. I'm not trying to curse. uh, No, it was. It was called uh, the Funny Farm when I started. The Funny Farm. Then they changed the name to the Copa Banana. (laughs) Classic. Still the worst. Florida vibes. (laughs) For a comedy cover. Great idea. Um, And then the Copa Banana, and then that became Bonkers. There's. Bonkers oh, yeah, is, Bonkers. Bonkers is, still, so, uh, bonkers is a better name than yeah. Copa Banana. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I'm team Copa Banana. Whoever came up with Copa Banana and was like, it's a pun and it, people are going to love this. Or you know, it was just like, no. If this doesn't yeah. say comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when I was 19, uh, I won this contest in Orlando. Oh, right. Uh, 19 you were. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I graduated from, from high school and then I was doing 
starting to do you know gigs all over Florida and starting to do the Southern Circuits. Uh, and I won the funniest person in Central Florida contest. Wow, oh, that's a good region. Not the funniest person in Florida, <laughs> Central Florida. Central yeah. Florida. So, uh, and the grand out. prize was I got a plane ticket. This was a hell of a prize that I won. Yeah. I got a plane ticket to fly to Los Angeles, and the grand prize was uh, I got to do a set at the world-famous comedy store. And they put you up and everything? They put me up at the Beverly Wilshire Holy Hotel. Holy shit. Damn. I don't know. I had three nights at the Beverly Wilshire, so I stayed for a week and got like four nights, you know, in a cheap, much cheaper place. But right. w- that was my first time ever in Los Angeles. I'm wow. 19 years old. I'm staying at the Beverly Wilshire. I would have stayed there. <clears throat> <clears throat> and I get to do a set at the and like the comedy store. Right. Is just like. Uh, and it's a heyday I, for them. Well, I mean, it's it's always well, it it, it you know, growing up. Like priors a god right. to me and and my dad and just just it's a um, you know it's like the Parthenon of uh, yeah. uh, holy temples of uh, of of American comedy you know yeah. so um, you know so I was a little nervous but I was nineteen and uh, you got nothing to lose at that point right. so. I mean I thought <laughs> this was going to be my big break yeah yeah I'm I showed up a, when I was twenty one thinking the same I'm going to be a star once they see me I was yeah. young and cocky you yeah. Know? yeah. And we still got time. And so it was, uh, I, I got to go on on Monday night and uh, a right. little three to five minute set. Right. And, uh, and I remember the, the, the lights were, it was in the OR. Mm-hmm. The lights were off and it was the big spotlights. And that kind of threw me off. I, I you didn't feel like I could see or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, um, but you know, I mean, three to five minutes. Well, yeah. it's, you know. And Mitzi I, was there? Uh, no. Okay. Just curious how that... But Louis Anderson was there. Ah. And Louis Anderson acted like I was the funniest comedian he had ever seen. Well, you are the funniest so... comedian in Orlando. <laughs> Central. <laughs> Central. 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 More than just Orlando. <laughs> are you from the... So he, <clears throat> so, he, so he invites me to hang out with him. Louis and, Anderson. And he's one of the biggest comedians in the world. Yeah. And... Oh, yeah. This is prime. This is 85, you said? Six? And you're a young fella. Uh, wink, wink. <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, so eighty six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, so he invites me to hang out with him, and at the on the patio, uh, they had lower chairs and tables then. And I remember he's sitting out there, and I'm sitting on his right. And there's like six or eight comedians all sitting around him, hanging on his every word. And um, he keeps going. Have you seen Tom? He's a very funny man. <laughs> Have you seen Tom? He's a very funny man. I'm like, you know, how old are you? Basking in that. Yeah. Just, oh my god, fucking famous yeah. guy thinks I'm hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> just can't get any so, better. <laughs> at, at one point in the night, he said he needs to take a drive. Do I want to take a drive with him? And we drive down to Santa Monica Boulevard, and we okay. parked in front of this nightclub for like 20 minutes. We were there forever. It seemed like. Yeah. And he just keeps looking at me. I'm just looking for a friend, Tom. Just looking for a friend. Uh, years later, <laughs> when I lived in Los Angeles, I find out that The Rage yeah. on Santa Monica like, Boulevard is one of the biggest you? gay bars yeah. in yeah. Los Angeles. Cage dancing. He was showing off his young meat. Yeah. Oh. I was yeah. pretty cute when I was 19. <laughs> yeah. That's what, as soon as he said it, I'm like, oh, I remember being the 21-year-old doorman and Louis being, oh, my God, I, we got to get you on stage. <laughs> just be like, cool. I just didn't know. I was so naive. I'd already been very sobold, but I didn't know that 
<laughs> I didn't know that Louie was also playing the game. Yeah. I always love like Louie, he invited, remember Brenton Biddlecombe? At yeah, all? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you oh, gotta yeah. come over and swim. <laughs> what? Brenton's like, are you having like a pool party? He's like, we could. Like, oh. It's just so great. Wow. Well, yeah. uh, so so he's so then he says, um, you know, we're parked in front of the Rage for for all this time, and then he says um, he needs to go by his apartment to pick something up. Sure. Would I want to go uh, with him to his apartment? Sure. Who wouldn't want to go to Louis Anderson? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Uh, I am small town hayseed. I'm from a small... I grew up in a town east of Orlando called Oviedo. Okay. I am small town hayseed. Just fell off the turnip truck. (laughs) In West Hollywood. Uh, I I, I have no idea (laughs) what is about to happen. Wow. I think famous guy wants to be my friend. Yeah. So we go into his apartment, and he had this wall with all uh, uh, all these photos of him and famous people all on the wall. And he goes, uh, let me show you my wall of fame, Tom. And we start at this end, and we work our way down the wall. And he's like, this is me and Nipsey Russell. This is me with Soupy Sales. This is wow. me with Kermit the Frog. And then we get down to the end <laughs> of the wall, the and I'm in the corner. Oh, shit. I'm trapped. Yeah. This is his move. Yeah. And he turns to me, and he goes, you're a very sexy man, Tom. Oh. And he stepped in on me, and I went like this, <laughs> and he cupped my ass cheeks. Both of my ass cheeks have been in Louis Anderson's hands. Wow. Lucky and then man. He, he, so you are. Then he goes to kiss me. And I went like this. And uh, as he's squeezing my ass cheeks, he kissed me on the cheek. And I go, can we go back to the comedy store? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to go back to the Copa Banana. <laughs> yeah. I want to. Yeah. <clears throat> so start clicking I, I, your uh, heels. <laughs> only like, uh, I, 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 I told that oh on stage. I told that story on stage. Um, I mean, I didn't. I didn't tell a soul. So, 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 I didn't yeah, tell a soul when you free. left, how was it? Like, did you I mean, run felt, out of there? Did you? You know what? He let go and took me back to the comedy store. You okay. know, it didn't. He didn't push it any further than that. He was hoping for <clears throat> you know some, some possible yeah, reaction. And I, but... I and so like when the because uh, so there's there's a a, a, a a side story to that that needs to be told. Um, like when all the Me Too stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I told a few people uh, and my wife at the time the story, and they were like, oh, he sexually assaulted you. And I was like, no, no, I, I, think, I think he was a gay man operating under the circumstances of the time. Yeah. When I left, I felt weird, and when I went back to Florida, I you know, didn't tell anybody I was kind of weirded out by it, but I, yeah. had a, I had a lot of time to think about it. And, uh, you know, the guy made his move, and... Took a shot. He if didn't you will. push it. Yeah. I mean, he he got a you know, I've got a nice ass. He squeezed. He me. got a handful. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, you, my you... wife and I talked about it on on a podcast, and then this guy, this one was this. This is like four years ago. This guy from the Tampa Bay Times he sent me an email and said that he was going to interview Louis, and he wanted to bring this up to him. Okay. In the con- in the conversation that he w- he was going to be promoting his local show, and I wrote the guy back this big long email and said, "Please don't. This is a cheap shot. Yeah. You're just going for right. clickbait." Yeah. I go. I I've processed it. I I was. I, and he's the guy writer is saying that I was sexually assaulted, and I said and I said no. I think he was you know operating under the, you know what I just told you, and um, and the guy says no. Uh, he's still going to ask Louis the, about this. I emailed the guy back. I go, can we get on the phone? And the guy, I got his phone number. And I talked to the guy for over an hour. 
And I said, don't bring this. You're interviewing him for a gig he's doing in Tampa. Yeah. I know this newspaper. A friend of mine used to work there. Uh, it was the Tampa Tribune. They just changed it to the Tampa Bay Times <clears throat> a few years ago. Right. It's a family newspaper. He's doing a gig where they're asking, like, you know, the the the, the ten fluff questions for him for a guy to promote his gig. Okay. And you're gonna slip this in there. I think it's a cheap shot. Yeah. And uh, I don't think you should do it. And I'm 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 asking you sincerely not to do this. And the guy ended up doing it anyway. And and Louis said, "Oh, I'm sorry if I made Tom feel uncomfortable. Um, I was a big flirt back then." You know, safe. Yeah, good answer. Right. Good answer. But like the guy, I think, uh, you know, um, I, I, I think that journalist was a real turd for doing that, Absolutely. especially I after yeah, I, I implored him not to. Yeah. On an email and then personally on, on the call. phone call. Yeah, because now know? he's ta- now he's taking <clears throat> the quote unquote victim and being like, you know what? What you think doesn't matter to me either. Yeah. Like which, you processed it. So you, yeah. you felt like, OK, I, I wasn't. I don't feel assaulted. I felt grossed out, like, ooh, that's not my cup of tea. Yeah. But if that was a guy and girl, I, if I had to say I was sexually assaulted, it would probably be every every single time. Like, if, if that's what sexual yeah. assault, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. every single time I've been with somebody, I've been assaulted then, because they, they yeah. take a shot. They take a chance. I mean, maybe not grabbing the ass Well, it's had a precedent in my life, too. Whenever I was with a woman and could feel her, any resistance, sure. I, you know, hey, I respect that. I don't know? I don't like that he cupped <clears throat> your ass first. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but a guy has, like, grabbed my waist or gone in for a kiss when I was like, whoa, I didn't, we were not doing that, you know? So, I, but I wouldn't be like, oh, that's. That person sexually assaulted me. I don't yeah. know, but you processed it and you told them no, and that's weird that he brought it up. You're right. It's yeah, and when, when Louis died recently, the first person I thought of was that journalist guy, and I right. hope, I hope he had a big fucking. Did, uh, did you and Louis ever become friends? No, after no, that? no, you never saw him again. Never. I mean, I saw him at the store uh, here a few years ago, but I didn't say hi to him or anything. And you know, and I, uh, you know, I, you got to respect what he did as a comedian. You know. Yeah. The guy did great stuff. Yeah, I mean, if it does, if it <clears throat> doesn't bother you, then right. And he was from a really fucked up. Uh, yeah, his childhood was all his, fucked up. Yeah. And, oh yeah, he's he, one of eleven. He had I to think. hide it for a long time yeah. and, and all that. Yeah, I mean, Minnesotan. I love Louis, but I've heard, you're not like the the well, first I, person that's. So I didn't. I did, so all right. So I didn't. Uh, so I didn't play. Uh, I did. I I, I I had a weird feeling about the store for a while. <laughs> okay. Uh, after that. Wait that that would put a weird taste yeah. in your mouth. That's yeah. weird. That's actually. But I but I I, I got that arrow is known as getting comedy store. I got to play here again in the 90s, and we'll come back to this. But then <laughs> the next time I played here, uh, I came with Russell Peters. What and... that much later or wait what year was that? No, so this is like 2014 or whenever I yeah, whenever that's... I came back and played here. In recent years, and I, and I I hadn't played here in years, and I told that story on stage, and two of the doormen came up and said almost the exact same thing had happened to them. Yeah, where they had gotten the the tour of the yeah. the photos. Right. Wow, so, the Wall of Fame, the Wall of Fame. Wow, I got another Wall of Fame over here with all the other fellas I brought to that. <laughs> That's a trap door over there. Sorry, I, I've told <laughs> Why did the you story. Sound like Mitzi, I'm sorry. I've told the story a few <laughs> times on the podcast, but I I basically got Barry Sobold. When I was 19 and I was in Kansas and it was the same thing. I just didn't realize what was going on. Didn't get it. Yeah. yeah. And it was him and Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> and I'm just like hanging out thinking this is cool. I've been doing comedy for, you know, six months maybe. 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm hanging out with the guys. And then he's just laying it on thick. And I'm like, wait, what? what's happening? Oof. But then, like, I've seen Barry lots of times since then. And at first, I just was kind of quiet. I had to bring him up once in the belly room. I'm like, oh, this dude tried to fuck me one time. No, you didn't. Yeah, I yeah. love it. <laughs> and then, so then one day, I was uh, I was trying to tweet something. Jimmy Fallon, like, posted a thing. It was when he was hosting The Tonight Show already. And I was like, hey, send us tweets of something. I can't remember what it was. They're just basically trying to get people to write jokes for him. And, and so I'm like, oh, maybe it would be like the time that... Uh, you tried to convince me that I should uh, have sex with Barry Sobel. Oh, my And I'm, like, God. tagging them in the tweet. And so I go to it, and I look at it, and I'm I'm blocked by Barry Sobel. And I'm like, why the fuck would this guy block me? So then I searched for my name, at Rick Ingram, Barry Sobel. And there was, like, four tweets. I'd been like, one time Barry Sobel tried to fuck me. I'm like, oh, that's why, that's why he blocked me. I didn't even remember, but I just I'd like put him on blast like four times. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense then. But yeah, it, that was always his mo. Was always some dude who looks like he's twenty. Wow. When Mitzi died, the comedy store was closed. They closed the comedy store, mm-hmm. and I started getting all these pics from people who were down hanging out at the comedy store. And oh, one right. of them, <laughs> the first pictures coming in were people being like. Hey, dude, uh, I don't know if time travel can happen, but I think Barry Sobel went back and found the 20-year-old you, and it was just a bunch of pics with Barry with a guy who legitimately looked like 20-year-old me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow, he really, he's going for it. <laughs> but it's like him, I go, what What was he doing? He's like, oh, he was just really laying it on thick, like trying to be like, yeah, you know, this is my club. I'm here all the time. I'm like, dude, you're not here all the time. No, it hasn't been in a while. I'm more insulted by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like him <laughs> pretending like he gets stage time here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am that he's trying to fuck time. someone suspecting 20-year-old. <clears throat> what, so how did you meet Mitzi? Okay, so then... um big gap. So my, my career, um, when I was 20 years old, I moved to New York City. Okay. And I wasn't ready yet. Okay. And uh, and I had to live in Washington Heights this is 1987 as crack was coming to the neighborhood. <laughs> <Nice>. Good times. <clears throat> There'd be gunshots in my neighborhood at night. Cabrini Boulevard, where I lived, uh, oh, there'd wow. be yeah. burning, smoldering cars in the morning. People would steal cars in Lower Manhattan and drive them up there and just set them on fire. So uh, it was it was rough. I I, uh, I I I got a couple of sets at Catch a Rising Star, but um, it was a pretty tough year. So I moved okay. back to Florida, licked my wounds for a year, and then I moved to San Francisco, and I lived there for seven years, and then that's where I got good as a comedian. Right. And uh, I started doing tons of stuff for Comedy Central. For a couple of years, I was um, I was the first comedian to ever get a development deal with Comedy Central. I was like nice. their boy for a couple nice. of years. Uh, and then uh, I got offered my uh, my own NBC sitcom. I from the from the years I was on Comedy Central, and then I was the bell of the ball in Montreal in like '95, and I got um, a big offer from NBC to develop a sitcom. What was the name of the sitcom? It's called Mr. Rhodes. Okay. What about Comedy Central? I feel like I remember the show or you being I did on uh, I did a thing my father flew Rhodes. helicopters in Vietnam. Um so I did this uh comedy travel thing where I went to Vietnam. Oh. 1994 wow. <clears throat> when Bill Clinton lifted the travel ban. And um 
I, and I went there to have fun for the guys who didn't get to have fun. Got so it. I brought okay. Rock'em Sock'em robots and fought people wherever we went. It's like a, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, vaguely, uh, rematch. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Set up the <laughs> America's finally going <laughs> yeah. to win this one. Set up a slip and slide on uh, China Beach, the world's most dangerous place to set up a slip and slide. Oh. Uh, and then we did uh, the Jane Fonda workout tape in Hanoi in a park. With uh, these old women that were doing Tai Chi. Uh, so we did some really funny things. It was really nice. Yeah, yeah. And they got really nice critical yeah. stuff. But, um, you know, they had filmed a bunch of uh, interstitials, my jokes, like rock videos, and played them in the commercials. Right. And then they kept covering, they would send me to cover events, you know, the Super Bowl and the Dream Team and oh, wow. uh, all kinds of different stuff. And then I think the Viva Vietnam thing was um, uh, what got some attention. And then uh, it aired for the 20th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. We filmed it September 94 in Vietnam. It aired April 95. And then uh, July 95, I crushed it in Montreal and got offered a big sack of cash. Wow. And uh, moved to L.A. We filmed the pilot and got made it into a series. So I my show was on 1996 to 1997. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was I was playing uh, I played the the main room. I had a weird thing about the OR because of getting um, Louis. Yeah, so I, I had a, I had a, I had a strange feeling about the OR. Like yeah. I interesting. Like every yeah. time I perform the main room, no dudes try and fuck me. So <laughs> that's going to be more my room, I think. So and I was really I was and I'll tell you, it was it was it was I was such a I lived straight up Queen Street. <clears throat> right here. Queens, yeah. Queens Road. Queens Road. So did I. About two miles up on Franklin Avenue. Oh, wow. I had okay. a rock star apartment on the on the, to practically the top of the Hollywood Hills, mm-hmm. view of all of the lights of Los Angeles. Uh, lived with a beautiful actress, and all we did was walk around drinking, uh, walk around naked drinking wine from goblets. Amazing. And <clears throat> I... Times were good. I was <laughs> playing in, uh, I would play the main room, and I didn't even have to call in for sets, my William Morris agent. Uh, yeah, because I remember you being here, and I started here in 93, okay. so I was like, yeah, yeah. I remember him. So I had long hair, and I was all mm-hmm. skinny and cocky yeah, yeah, and yeah. shit. And, Very uh, cocky. No, I'm yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I pinched your ass. You got but I would off. do, I, I, I only wanted to do the main room, so I would do sets in the main room. Uh-huh. And, Who was your agent at William R? Uh, uh, James Dixon. Oh, okay. Uh, My first ex-fiance used to be an agent over there. Okay. So I, I just, I remember that crew of people so mitzi called me over a few times to sit with her in the or Mm -hmm. and she said uh uh why don't you you should play in the or sometime and she you know she 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 she, you know she was couldn't have been nicer to me yeah and then and then twice she you know encouraged me to you know do the or and i i was like yeah, you know, just something about that main room. I really like <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Smart. Play a little hard to get. I like it. You're like, I don't want to work for $7.50. Yeah. I want to go in the main room where they pay decent money. I don't know. I just thought it was a, it's, I don't know. It was a classier. And you're right. You probably had a weird I had a weird I had a weird association. Yeah, a weird yeah. association. association. Yeah. Uh, and then I just, I loved the main room also. Yeah. And, and I loved to be, I, I was a like a rock room. star. I just drive down from the hills and come sure. in here and do a set. And uh, it was amazing. So um, the show only lasted for one season. And then in 1998, when it finished, uh, I moved back to New York City. Ooh. And I, uh, I I lived in New York City like a dog when I was 20. And I always swore if I ever had any money, 
I'd lived there with style. So I got a rock star apartment in the Wall Street area. Nice. And then that's, and I was doing the, the comedy cellar and all that. Mostly in all the clubs there. How long did you live in New York? Two years that time. And then I started, I looked at my, uh, my money as my NBC artist grant. So I started taking trips to London and I got in with London. A uh, good friend of mine, Rich Hall, yeah, has done great. really well over Terrific. there. Yeah. And uh, Rich went, he was the one writer I could bring with me for, on Viva Vietnam. I've known him for years. Oh, okay. And he thought I would do really well in London. And then, so I took some systematic trips over and then I got in with London. And then I started going over there and doing sets. Uh, I'd, I'd go over there a couple times a year. Have uh, you ever played the comedy store over there? Oh yeah, they managed me for a while. Oh wow! Yeah, no, that was my main my main club, and I played the comedy store in Sydney, Australia, many times. Too. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that <clears> one, but I, I mean, the, yeah, the and, the, and Don one. Ward, the, the he told me, like I forget what year he started the comedy store. He said he came to Los Angeles on vacation, and he came here, and then went yeah, back. And was like, he had a great time. He went back and, and saw that the name wasn't registered. In, in England. Uh, in England. Mitzi, is, is, yeah. the, is the Australia <clears throat> club associated with the England club? No. Uh-uh. No. Neither no, one. They both another... did the same So they, didn't, they yeah. didn't register the name uh, outside of England either. Okay. Yeah, because she used to make me write letters to both of them and tell them they can't Cease use the and name. Cease and desist, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, um, you want me to write the letter? Yeah, smart. I mean, Mitty, I can't even say water. Borrow your crayon. Yeah, (laughs) borrow your crayon. I don't think you want the water, girl. Listen, you. I don't know what's in the water over there, but uh, you got to change that fucking name. You can't use that name. You almost want Jimmy Pid there. I'm sorry, you're right. (laughs) What's over there in the water? Over there. I remember when Jimmy Pid went to to London. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to go over there and just do this like (laughs) Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it's the same thing. You're 40. Uh, right. Yeah. You're not an incredible guitar player. <laughs> they, they won't even let me perform. You got to have like papers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, one American guy, guitar player, Rick Wright. Rick Wright. Oh, there. yeah, sure. Brian. He's, yeah. he's done great over he's there. He's terrific. I think, I think he, doesn't he have a picture up here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been, he was here for years, Rick. Yeah. Uh, he, when I started, he was here all the time. Yeah, he's cool. He, uh, he used to, once a year, Tommy would send me to La Jolla, and <laughs> Rick Wright would be the feature act. And the first time I went, I'm like, this is going to be weird because I didn't know him at all. And uh, he brought his British girlfriend, our wife. I can't remember if they were married at the time or not. But super nice. And like, yeah. To me, it's like I'm always like I'm always concerned when I have to share a condo with someone. Yeah. Where I'm like, you know, like I did it with Barry Diamond once and it was the worst. So I'm just like, is this going to be terrible? But. <laughs> He's singing four non blondes yeah, every I mean, morning. Dude, <laughs> shirt That's always how he off. Wakes you up. Just a uh, bare, barrel-chested man. Ooh, I love the morning. I'm like, you're, are we doing characters right now? What are we doing, man? I'm in the other comic. Just, just you talk just to your normal voice. The whole day. Well, Barry, it ain't gonna work, buddy. Yeah, I, I Rick, I. Got to the condo, and then, like, maybe an hour later, he showed up with the lady. Couldn't be nicer. And then shows were fine. You know, I always enjoyed it. And then Tommy would be like, well, I've got to send him down there. Can I send him with you? I'm like, as long as I'm headlining and you're giving me headliner money, I don't care who don't... you send me with, <laughs> yeah. honestly. So, did you meet Tommy, the old talent coordinator? No, I never did. Oh. Uh, you know, and it's fun. So I got him with London, and then that led to gigs around England and gigs around Europe, and then... Uh, I met a girl in Amsterdam, and I fell in love with her, and I moved to Amsterdam. 
And wow. uh, I lived in Amsterdam f- f- 2000 to 2004. And <clears throat> I was with the girl for, for, for two years. Uh, but I was, I was still, uh, you know, still partying and... Um, in Amsterdam, I would hope so. Oh yeah. Well, you know, see, because when in New York, <laughs> you know, I was hanging out with 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 David Tell would take me on his late night drinking runs, and Jaeger. and Mitch Hedberg was like my oh, best wow. friend from ninety yeah, eight yeah. to two thousand, and we did tons of um, coke and partying. Nice. He, I I lived in Wall Street. He was he was living at the Chelsea Hotel, very close to each other. So That's you know, we'd great. we'd always end up at the cellar and then go back to our places and party. Mm-hmm. Really, I had really um, great time with him. But uh, the thing I would always say is I was partying so hard when I lived in New York City, I actually moved to Amsterdam to bring it down a notch. Wow. Damn. Which, and there is some truth to that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but the girl ended up uh, breaking up with me. Okay. And I was just about to move back to the United States when uh, these people from this Dutch television network were looking for an American to host a late night talk show. And um, I... They had a showcase night at Tumler, the best club in Amsterdam. Okay. And I, I got the job. So wow. I, I had my own late night talk show on Dutch television for two years. That's incredible. In English. In English. And it was yeah. subtitled in Dutch. And, uh, and it was great because, you know, I grew up worshiping Letterman and, and Carson and to be the guy yeah. coming out from behind the curtain in the $2,000 suit and stand on the X and give your monologue. Sit down at the table, banter with your musical sidekick, right? And then um, skit and um, every episode. <clears throat> it was all, all their celebrities could be interviewed in um, in English, and we had you know politicians and writers, actresses, everybody. Um, but my favorite thing about the show was every episode we would make a five minute film. Big part of the show was I was a foreigner experiencing Dutch culture. Got it. So okay. I, we would make a five-minute film every episode where I would experience Dutch culture. Something, okay. One day I spent with a Dutch farmer mm-hmm. um, with uh, wooden shoes on, and I'm helping him. And um, I walked into an electric fence. He said in Dutch, look out for the electric fence, but I don't speak Dutch. And Classic. Yeah, it's classic. a fish out of water. <laughs> yeah, it was hijinks. But, yeah, uh, but it was really charming. Like, and I, I got a, a tour of the the gay scene of Amsterdam by the guy who does the gay parade. How'd that go for you? It was fun. It was great, great to, to to be explained all of these things about Dutch culture. Mm-hmm. A former prostitute who helps the women with their. Um, Taxes and and healthcare. Wow! Gave me a tour of the red light district. Explained oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the 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 sex industry and uh, everything was explained to me about Dutch culture and the way they do their laws and things like that. It was it was really great. That's incredible. And then when that show ended, the same network let me be a presenter on a travel show for a year on on the same network. Okay. So uh, I lived in Amsterdam for five years, and I uh, for th- I, for five years, and I was on. TV there for three. Jesus. That's pretty great, though. Yeah, and the travel show, I did a highlight on St. Petersburg, Russia, Champagne region of France, Peru. It was, Mm -hmm. I had really had a a dream life. you get to travel like crazy. That's amazing. So then I moved back to L.A. uh, 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. I was living in Koreatown, and uh, and I remember coming to the store, and I didn't, the the vibe then was... It was the death years. How dare you? It was you? like, it seemed like it was a lot of uh, bitter New York comedians. Um, 
I don't. I didn't know. Interesting. I just think in New York. Just comedians. my perception. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, get I don't. It. Yeah, I don't remember there being any comedians here. Two thousand five. Were you here in two thousand four? Yeah. Two thousand five. Yeah. Yeah, I got we here in two thousand and two, and Mitzi made me a regular the following year, and there was. I mean, shows were so bad. In terms I mean, of like audience, there was like never anyone here. So we I, had the Maniscalcos. We had yeah. you know Maj Gibrani. I'm just trying to think of. Yeah, I mean, who it hung in there because was, was, we didn't have an audience. We'd have to wait for eight people to start the show. No, well, yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> there was it was a lot of. Uh, I was happy to get the stage time, but I was getting the stage time because none of the comedians w- wanted to perform for no one. We had Caparilla. Yeah. We had a few people yeah. that were like semi breaking out. I think Ren Azizi and those guys came too around the Ari. Yeah. I'm trying to think yeah, of Ari who was the women were. By then. Because I feel like the women kind of left at that point. They were like, mm. "We can't. This is." I don't awful. remember. You know, I don't. I can't. I don't remember like names and things. I just remember the few times I came mm-hmm. to check it out. Um, it seemed kind of bleak here. Oh yeah, it well, was. no, you were one hundred percent right. And then I was still on the road half the time, and then I'm, and then I, I, I started doing the international circuits. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I, I was like, why live anywhere? So I put everything into storage. My father lived in Anaheim. Uh, so I put all my stuff in storage, whatever I had, um, and I didn't live anywhere for ten years. Wow! And I, I would do that. like three months a year in Europe, a month in Asia, a month in Australia, and then uh, however many months all over the states. That's incredible. Yeah, and That's a my sweet deal. now <laughs> ex-wife used to travel with me. We're still really good friends, but right um, would always like wherever we were, were in the, and the Airbnb changed everything. So I'd do like a run in Europe for a couple months, oh, and then, yeah, then we'd go to Rome for a couple weeks and rent a, an apartment. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. I love going to Paris. Always like to linger there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so depending where we were in the world, like did a month in Asia, and then we went to Bali for a couple weeks. Where was your favorite? Uh, like... I don't know, just to... <clears throat> in, for perform, comedy or for... For, for just existing. Yeah, or existing. Uh, like, what, what foreign city has great comedy crowds? <laughs> I mean, London's London. London, I was going to say. Right. And Ireland, well, Ireland English, is yeah. the best. Ireland has got... Everyone in Ireland is hilarious. I want to go to Ireland. Ireland and the audiences are incredible. And it's different than London, you know? Because they're more of like a storytelling. You know, all the Irish comedians are all storytellers. Yeah. That's their thing. And where... English comedians can be self-deprecating, and London are and terrible then, then also, people. and then the audiences oh. in in England can be very pugilistic. Sure, especially if you're we a fo- foreigner, the they'll Irish. heckle you not because they don't like you, but they want to see if you'll capitulate. You know, uh-huh. um, and we will. No, you you, 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 you know, you, you can handle it. Yeah, but Ireland's just God. The, the um, the the laughter lounge in Dublin is great, but the Dublin F- Comedy Festival they do in Ivy Gardens every year is incredible, intense. Wow. And then Galway is one of my favorite places. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's this old famous rock club called the Roshan Dub, um, which is whatever Gaelic for Black Rose. Yeah. Um, is it Gaelic? Um, <laughs> Could be Celtic, maybe. Celtic. Celtic. Yeah. Thank Celtic. You. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and then he puts on a festival. Uh, the Galway Festival every October too. Every so, October, yeah, yeah. I I'm dying to go and perform there, and then I have a friend who wants. She's like, I want to go to. She has a a great uh, 
voice and accent. She's like, I want to go to Ireland with you because you're Irish. Yeah. <laughs> That's how she talks. It's going to be great. She's Puerto go. Rican and Italian. <clears throat> so If you like to drink a lot and laugh a lot, Ireland is the best place. Well, I'll, we'll figure it out. But yeah. I want to do comedy. You know what I mean? Like, I, now it's, that it's, I do. You got to get in. You got to do it. I'll give you their information. Really? Yeah. I love peasy. this. Lemon squeezy. Lemon squeeze. Let um, me squeeze you. What'd you say? The Sydney audiences are great. <laughs> Look who's the Louie now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. You could squeeze. Well, Hong me. Kong was great and Shanghai was great. What do you mean was? The, the BC? Because of the problems uh, with protests, oh. the clubs, uh, they, there was a couple good clubs in Hong Kong that closed. Uh-huh. And then four years ago, the China shut down the English language comedy shows yeah. that were happening. Because those were great. You'd be expatriates of every flavor. Right. Yeah, I think Ari did a run over there. A few people maybe like have. four or five Schubert, years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was like, oh, it's awesome, but it's all expats. And like right before New Year's Eve, right? The New Year's Eve, right before COVID, um, I did a spot here. I had two spots, and there was like an hour and a half in between them. So I went down to Carney's in between my sets, <laughs> and this this Asian guy walked up to me. And he was like, hey, man, I've seen you at the comedy store. We're actually going down there doing a uh, watch the belly room show. Um, could we sit with you? I'm like, all right. So I sat with these like four Chinese guys, and one of them runs shows over there. And he's like, "Yeah, we're trying to get them restarted, so um, it would be awesome if you wanted to do it." And I'm like, well, "I don't know, you know, it just kind of depends. I have a little kid." And mm. he's like, "Well, let me get your contact info, and, and we'll see about doing it." And then never. COVID hit. Oh, COVID! Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> Two is months BC. later. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, "I'm never going to hear from those guys, nor would I go at this point." But. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I, that's got to be neat. I love when hear, hearing people like, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm going to China. I'm going yeah. to. Like- well, I, I put out this album in 2019. I think it probably helped end my marriage um, <laughs> because I <clears throat> it took me two years to record it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah, it started in 2017. But uh, I put out this album called Around the World and I recorded it in 24 cities around the world. And oh, it starts awesome. in Paris and it ends in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And it's all mostly jokes and stories about those places. Because I've been doing, like, some places like Jerusalem and uh, Stockholm sure. and Berlin uh, weren't my regular places. So I had to write, uh, like, little three to five minute um, right. material for the, for those places so I could get a track out of it. But the other cities like Paris and Amsterdam and London and, and Ireland, I've been playing for years. Yeah. So I got nice little You knew the inside, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> That's cool. Oh, oh, did we talk about your encounter with? Oh, yeah, Mitzi, you did say that. You did say you talked. She tried to get you to. She come. was. Oh, it was. In, it was always incredibly nice to me. The only reason I I bring that up is because I was talking to uh, Jay Mandium. Yeah. Jay? Okay, so he was like, "Yeah, Tom Rhodes was um, thinking about coming back to the store," and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I remember Tom Rhodes because I was a waitress here for so long, and then Mitzi's assistant, so I, I remember you being here." Then I was like, oh, he's a regular. And Jay's like, no, he wasn't a regular. And I'm like, he's not? Hmm. Like, well, he, I, I don't think, I mean. And- but <clears throat> I think there wasn't like a, 
regular like showcase kind of thing. Oh yeah, I never went through that right. whole process. That's no. what I think. I was, that's what he meant. Now that, I was that, the TV star coming in from the top of the mountain. And you know? Mitzi never did that. She didn't give a shit. So yeah. she must have liked you. Yeah, she really likes me. If it, she it, like that, people would come in and be like, "I'm on such and such a show," or like when Louis C.K. showcased, she was like, "He's too polished. We don't need him. Like, there's yeah. nothing I can do for him." But she must have really liked you because I I do remember you being here. She did. She was so yeah. nice to me, and I've I and like now years later, and now she's passed. Like I I should have done a couple of sets in the OR, <laughs> and like what? How and, about, you know? How and about, then it's funny because now. I love the OR. I was just gonna say, yeah. how do you oh feel God. now? Like it's, it's like, it, and I, you know, I, I love the main room, but like, there's a magic in the OR. Hundred percent. So, everything's so close and personal. It's and it's comedy. It's energy. It's like yeah. pure comedy energy. In it's there. the way it should be. Yeah, you know, you can feel it, your ass being squeezed while you're that, on that stage. Uh, I gotta be honest. It, <laughs> and it's the it. crowd squeezing it. <laughs> yeah. So I came back, and Jay Mandiam actually. Was the one that kept um, yeah, pushing me good. to come yeah, back. Exactly. Yeah. And so I moved back here in uh, 2015, in August. So I think it was the year before, like 2014. Got it. <clears throat> I've known Russell Peters from. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, like he was like 99, 2000. I, I, I met Russell. We were doing shitty one nighters around London together. <laughs> Bar That's gigs. amazing. Known Russell for years. That's amazing. So I was hanging out with Russell in 2014 when I was in town. And he said he had to do a set at the store. He goes, come with me. And so we, we come. Mm-hmm. And Jay was one of the doormen. Yeah. And uh, the, he, he, he's, he, they asked me if I wanted to do a set. Yeah. And I hadn't played here in years. Oh, okay. And so I did a set, a guest set in the OR. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I got to tell, for the first time in my life, <clears throat> I got to tell that, that Louis story on stage. Right. And it kind of felt like I killed the demon. <laughs> you know? You got it out. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and, uh, it just it, it it felt good. It felt uh, you know it 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 felt like uh, your favorite pair of jeans. You know when I did that set, and then I moved back in 2015. I don't know when Tommy left, but I never even uh-huh. met that guy. It was 2014 was 2014. when he left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never yeah. met him. So yeah. you got lu- you got lucky. I heard. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he so would, I mean, he my, probably would have <clears> liked you though. He would have liked you, but he still would have given you the comedy store bullshit. And right. You know, well, you should hang uh, out more. You're like, I'm not hanging out. I'm a fucking professional comedian. <laughs> like he did that to Burt Kreischer. He was like, well, oh, yeah. you know, you should he, hang out. Maybe he told Burt. Yeah, told Burt oh, Kreischer oh, he should oh, work the oh, lot. And Kreischer's oh, like, I I literally tour the I'm country headlining. I'm not. I have a family. I'm not going to park cars here. Well. That's how it works around here. And it's like, but it doesn't have to. You can just let good comedians perform here. Wow. Exactly. Oh, so he, yeah, he was a character, one of our favorite characters, yeah. if you will. That's the impression he's doing. But the, the timing couldn't have been better because 2015 and then the, 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 yeah, we the, were the last again. like seven years here have been incredible. Yeah. yeah. They turned it around when they brought Rogan back and, you know, just started kind of picking up the pieces. Uh, unfortunately, 2004, 2005, Mitzi was very sick. And I think yeah. Pauly said it best. She was sick. Her health was declining. And so was the club. Like she just, that love of hers wasn't in it anymore. And then the pieces somewhere got picked up through Adam and Eric. Adam and Eric and like bringing certain comics back and well, just Adam's, putting yeah, a, a Adam's vibe Adam's openness back in it. to uh, bring in comedians that, Human beings want to see perform comedy was really <laughs> right, right, right. It was, what a formula. It was an out there, Adam, it was an out there concept, animal. but yeah. 
But uh, it, my my attitude about the OR now, I I I I think I I kind of prefer it's it my to the main club room everywhere. Yeah. And I uh, I don't want to. Re- the pandemic taught me how much I love sleeping in my own bed. I've hit the road so hard my whole life. Uh, I I don't want to be on the road anymore. Yeah. And I just want to stay in L.A. I just want to do sets here primarily. Right. And whenever I'm doing the OR, I'm trying to go there with like a new five minutes. At well, least that's where you can work Every out. time now. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I'm starting over again. I, now, like, I've come since coming out of the pandemic, after having a year off. Yeah. yeah. And like, <clears throat> I just... I love stand up for for just for the thing that it is. Yeah. Not for fucking traveling to wherever and doing yeah. the morning radio shows and things. Yeah. And so um I'm I'm really enjoying pushing myself to to write uh like a, a new little hunk for every time. And I loved talking to you the other night you where you said um I went on after you in the main room, and and we talked later. And you go, "Fuck! I had this new thing, and I knew you should only do the greatest hits in the main room." And it threw me off because then my flow was screwed up. And I like everything you said was exactly. Yeah. I, I've lived that several times <laughs> in the main room. Well, I try, you know, not that you can't do something new there, but no, I've can. had that feeling. But to me, I think it's such a show show room, and and maybe it's because I worked for Mitzi so closely, and she told me. Yeah, her you... passion and love for that main room, whereas the OR is the grit. OR is, to me, my favorite room in any club, of any club. Yeah. And so uh, it, because you go up there and you just bare your soul and you could just fuck around, do new shit, do old shit, whatever. Anything, not anything everything goes. goes but yeah. it, you know you, you can gotta, make anything go exactly but but in the main it right. room it's more like they're like oh what the hell are you doing you know why well, got you know and i i love i felt like i tripped <clears throat> over my own words yeah. i just state. love i love i love coming here i love watching other everybody mm. you know it just um this 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 place is a holy temple it's... and I, there's that we got one uh, other nice story to tell you about the comedy store okay from when i lived here in 2004 2005 i guess i i put everything in storage in two th- yeah yeah 2006 and <laughs> and fucked off um didn't live anywhere but my father lived in anaheim <clears throat> mm-hmm. my father was killed by a drunk driver in 2009 oh, Jesus. and i was really close with my dad there's a reason i'm uh, a comedian and uh and like i said prior was his dude right. so in one of those years 2005 or whatever and i wasn't even doing sets here uh richard pryor was going to play in the or on his birthday oh he was here he was here for like a year every wednesday it was monday wednesday and friday and then he was but i saw something listed somewhere that it it was was his his birthday birthday. yeah and he would be playing in the or wow and uh i got tickets and i brought my dad (gasps) and Pryor was in the wheelchair. He was eaten up by, by did, MS. He had yeah. to be lifted did onto Chewy the stage. Did bring him on stage? Yeah. And I think about this all the time because there's the back seats for the for the uh, where they let the com- where the comedians sit. The bucket seats in yeah. the OR. We were sitting on those chairs by that door. Oh, I see. I, I guess those, the, the room was the full or whatever, yeah, and they, yeah. they they sat me and my dad there, and. Uh, so so prior they lifted him on the stage he's in the wheelchair he he's he could barely you know lift the mic up and uh he did i think 10 minutes on licking pussy and then uh another 5 on something else uh but again like when Rodney Dangerfield was drunk 
just to be in the You're same in the room, yeah. Yeah, yeah. breathing the same molecules with this genius. Yeah. And then they took Pryor off stage, and they, they brought his wheelchair in the back, and they put it in the back. So my dad and I are sitting here at the, the chairs, and they put Pryor down right in front of us. Yeah. So we could just, we just leaned right up. Mr. Pryor, we, oh, happy birthday. Wow. We love you. That's we love rad. you. Happy birthday. And we got to shake the man's hand. That's and, incredible. And and I, my dad, uh, uh, really important to me. That's one of the greatest memories. Like yeah. that, from being the little kid, sure. yeah. driving around listening with Pryor to, to You got to make him. that happen. Like, we got to see got him to in the Richard OR. Pryor, yeah. That's you know? incredible. He wasn't the fire-breathing dragon he was in the 70s, but right. who gives a fuck? Yeah, I mean, I, I <clears throat> happily see Babe Ruth hit yeah. a home run at Yankee Stadium. Right. Even after he's retired, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. that's one of those things. You're like, oh, I'm I'm seeing the goat perform where the goat performed. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Richard, when he did that year, it's it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then it went down to Wednesday. Obviously, his. Do you health. remember what year that was? 2005, maybe. I think it was. Uh, before, it must have been the late earlier. 90s. Late nineties, maybe if I remember correctly, because um, he never performed since 2005. He passed away. So okay, maybe it, it was before be, that. Maybe my my timeline memory is yeah. It had up. to be the late nineties, maybe two thousands. Yeah, I saw him here. I saw okay. him come <clears throat> once, but he couldn't. He could. I don't. He couldn't even really communicate at that. Maybe point. it was when I had the sitcom. Maybe that's why I got to sit on the bucket seats. I don't know. Maybe because he he definitely um it was he did it for like a year hmm. and then his health obviously was declining. But there was only there was three waitresses that would work in there. It was me and this girl Jen and Lauren because Mitch, that was all she trusted she was like i can't you, you know because you know it was so packed in there i mean chevy chase whoopi goldberg everybody would come see richard every time like the whole year and that even when he went down to just wednesdays it was jam-packed in there well wow. so she did that for him <clears throat> to help i mean he did that for her to uh help her Keep the club and running. then when he would go on stage he would come to life and I was I like I told the story a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. He called me a bitch from the stage because I gave him water instead of an alcohol. But his wife told me to. <laughs> so she's like, no, it'll mess up his meds. So just give it to him. But just give him water. And he called me out on stage. And I was like, oh, my God, he fucking knows. <laughs> like, That's he nice. was like, that bitch. Richard Pryor like, called you a bitch. I know. I <laughs> what was, a badge what a of what honor. Dream, I was like, whoa, I'm whoa. so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So. So, yeah, I got to work with him for a year. And I was it, you're right. It was magical it was amazing but for you it's even more magical because you brought your dad and that was yeah. a bond and that's that's incredible um if there was no stand-up comedy what would you do like if it didn't come back after this corona nonsense oh <laughs> i like <laughs> well i mean like well, I mean, you know since i was 11 uh exactly. in that moment in dc i never even thought of considered doing anything else i um i i i bagged groceries in a grocery store when i was 16 Mm -hmm. And I started being a comedian when I was 17, and I've never had any other job. That's incredible. My whole life. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, so, so you would soft be soft as a baby's bottom. Yeah, yeah, look at this. Never look, look at this not ne hardworking. Never man. worked a hard day in my oh, life. Oh, you, you just work your brain hard. <laughs> All right, Poindexter. How dare you? So um, yeah, there would be nothing. Where can where can people find you? Social media. I, 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 on Instagram, I'm at underscore Tom Rhodes, and uh, my website is um, tomrhodes.net. Right. I don't Net. fuck with Twitter. Got it. 
You don't enjoy toxic existence? <laughs> I call it the hate faucet. Are you still on there? Are oh, fuck yeah. You're I'm, like, I'm there for the hate. Scrapping. He's filled with hate. It's perfect for I literally him. just get on there at least five times a day. I start tweeting shit. Like today I was going to tweet, all of you are fucking terrible and it's never going to stop. And then I'm like, who is that for? It's just for me. Why just am I? for him. Like, I'll get like 20 people who like that. But what am I doing? I'm just burning bridges for no reason because I was mad at my kid. Right, right, I'm like, right. I'm gonna t- you know what? This is the world's fault. <laughs> terrible. Um, is there anything else you want to promote? Yeah, we're going to wrap um, it up. Yeah, no. No, All right. Right. Yeah. you're not Perform? on the road. You're, he's in his own bed. Yeah, so. no. Uh, I've been working on a um, uh, a, a project, but uh, you know, um, still working. To on be it. seen. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I just uh, wanted to pay homage to um, well, this, follow this Tom, place that I love because yeah. you're funny, and this is. Um, thank you for great coming stories. on. Thank great you. stories. Great yeah, stories. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I get a thrill whenever. Just every time I I pull into the lot, man, it just I, I it puts a smile on my face. You know. Yeah. yeah. Does it do that for you still, Rick? Yeah, this this is still my happy place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm angry. Same. I'm still very angry. But it's it does angry seem like a safe place. island in the world. Yeah, you know? we are the land. And I realized during the toys. pandemic that I mean, my whole social world, all my friends are comedians. Yeah, so yeah. I was fucked for a year. Yeah, so like when things opened, and like the vibe here uh, last year when they started doing shows again, it was like. It was so lovely. Yeah. yeah. Everybody was in, watching like, each other and encouraging. Don't take it away again. Yeah. Yeah, Everyone was, was so friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, there there seems to be even a uh, more happy, loving spirit here, I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's yeah. Mitzi. I, I remember uh, Marin was like, doesn't the vibe feel better? And I'm like, y- yeah, I mean, y- you talk to me now. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a sign that things are, are friendlier things for sure. Are coming around. All right, thank gotta, you yeah, spot, so much, so thank you, uh, time, Rick. Promote, you want to promote your? Uh... Uh, listen to my other podcast too. Rick Ingram talks to strangers and come to the comedy store. Yes, and I will be uh, in Michigan at Grand Rapids uh, Comedy Club the thirty first, first and second at the Bob. Um, which one? At the Bob. Doctor Grins at the Bob Is at it? Grand Rapids. Yeah. Well, it's Club's Grand been there Rapids. Forever. Good yeah. Room. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. Go um, to the Gerald Ford uh, Library. While really? You're it's cool. There's a section where they have all these crazy letters that people wrote him That's when he was so when he amazing. Was president. Fuck yeah. I will definitely do that. Is that what it is? is it my friend Emilio hooked me up. So I he just sent me the clips the other day. But uh, Dr. Grins. Uh, okay. The building is that. called the Bob that it's in. Oh, okay. We'll yeah. see. I'm excited. Well, come if you're out in Michigan. Check out my website and like and subscribe. Follow Tom because he's hilarious. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Look at, we're all guys, crazy. Comedy Store Podcast is back. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us your negative and positive comments, mostly negative. You can follow me at Rick Ingram. I only accept positivity in my life. (laughs) The new Rick is here and EJ Kerrigan still with the negativity, but like and subscribe.